You get these questions a lot. Where are you from? And what do you do? That's what you get asked, right? Meeting someone new if you're at a party or maybe on your dating profile. So why not just tell the world? We just launched a brand new online store that tells people where you're from and what you do. It has all 50 U.S. states and some countries represented with physical therapist gear at ptpinecast.com. A stainless steel tumbler for a PT in Tennessee. Check. South Carolina PT t-shirts. Double check. Face masks for a Florida PT. Yeah, we got that. Great gear for life, all with your profession and the home state on it. Great gifts for yourself, a colleague, a clinical instructor, a student, all now at ptpinecast.com. We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This is the PT Pinecast. All right, we're live here at Wednesday Night Live. We are not ashamed to pipe in our own uh, crowd music. What's going on? My name is Jim McKay. I am a physical therapist, and I'll be your host today on the show. Before we get started, I do want to let you know something kind of cool that we just launched online at ptpinecast.com. Uh, I thought this was kind of cool. Uh, for those of you watching a live stream on uh, on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, on uh, on YouTube, we've got these uh, kind of cool, I don't know, like just PT-related gift items. We launched our own store. Uh, got a cool, <laughs> cool design. At least I think it's kind of cool. Uh, it kind of looks a little bit like, I don't know, it might somehow reflect reference a pop culture item but there is no there might be might be similar but it's definitely not the same um some people have said not me that it looks similar to the dr pepper logo but it says doctor of physical therapy you can get that we've got the uh the dr pepper ish definitely not dr pepper and then uh and then also one that looked like a rock band logo for uh well it says ptot got your back but it looks similar to some sort of rock band but I mean, if the lawyers ask, it definitely definitely bears no resemblance whatsoever. So uh, some p- cool PT-related items available online at ptpinecast.com. We've got the uh, the iHeart Physical Therapy, the Anatomically Correct Heart, because I know you'd call me out if I put the fake heart on there. And then uh, what we were hearing from people is like, hey, I need to, I need to give a gift for like somebody, a, cl- a student, whatever, a, a, a CI. And if you're in North Carolina, we've got like the logos. North Carolina physical therapist, can koozies, tumblers, t-shirts, whatever you need. We got you online at ptpinecast.com. We wanted to make sure you knew about that. All right. Uh, Great show for you tonight. We're going to talk about a great organization uh, that advocates for kids, movement, equity, anti-racism, social justice. We, We actually talked about this a few years ago on the show. We alluded to it and got to dig into one of our guests. So I always like to say... Today, we have a friend of the show coming back on the program. All right. So without further ado, uh, Bridget, let's start the show properly. All right. Welcome to PT Podcast, a podcast that saves physical therapists from missing out on amazing insight, remarkable ideas, and motivational stories in the world of physical therapy. Uh, as mentioned before, I am still Jimmy McKay, your host. Uh, check us out online at PT Pinecast on the socials. That's uh, the Twitter, the uh, the Instagram, the Facebook. I don't know why I keep putting phone in front of them. Makes me sound hip, guys. Uh, also, make sure you subscribe to the show so you never miss an informative episode. And just so you know, some people were asking, how much does it cost to subscribe? Uh, it's free. So just, you know, subscribe on the device and uh, you'll make sure you get all those episodes delivered right to you. Uh, returning guest and a new friend as well. Uh, both are physical therapists and co-founders of the National Dance Institute Dream Project. This is cool. Uh, it's an inclusive dance program for children with and without disabilities. They are passionate for advocating for children, equity, anti-racism and social justice. Let's get them in here. Uh, Agnes McGonigal Farrow and Kate Gaynor are on the program. <laughs> Ladies, welcome, to the show. Thank Hello. you, thank you, Jimmy. Uh, we uh, we'll, we'll we'll get into your backgrounds first. We get the hard questions out of the way immediately. Yeah. Uh, what are we drinking? Kate Gaynor, you go. I am drinking watermelon seltzer. It's my first taste of watermelon seltzer. I will uh, switch to something uh, more hardcore as the conversation continues. If like required, like so I'm opening right now, 
my first taste. Yeah, I want to I want to see the first sip because you said you you gave instructions to give you a different flavor, and this is your first shot at watermelon. Yes, grapefruit was my choice, and I'm sniffing, I'm smelling. You got to waft as we learned in chemistry class. Waft. How's watermelon? Okay, it tastes a little like chemicals. Yeah. It has the gist of watermelon. So it's mostly the water. Bubbles. The bubbles are sound and solid. Yeah. All right. Kay's, uh, Kay's got, uh, she's got watermelon. Agnes, what do you got? Well, I did not go the watermelon seltzer route. I, I, this will not be a shock to you. any of my friends. Wait, where's the camera? It is Prosecco. Yes, I am a fan. Uh, but it's organic Prosecco, which no. to me, yeah, it's like eating salad. It's the same thing. Same thing. No, I read that. Yeah, it's in a paper at least story. two servings of vegetables, right? Yeah, yeah. There's grapes. That's fruit. Uh, this is when I know. I know it's probably. I don't even think it's officially summer, but when it gets like this hot in New York, to me, it's like summer. So I I break this uh, beer out. One of my favorite beers. The first time I heard of the idea for this, I was like, that is going to taste horrible. But then I had it. And it's great. It's a shandy. Oh, I it love is- the yeah. Line and Kugel's Summer Shandy, okay. uh, Pride of Chippewa Falls. I keep having this beer on the show, hoping that they'll email me or give me an endorsement deal or something. Uh, okay. has, has not happened. My email address wide open uh, whenever someone from Line and Kugel wants to uh, send that out. Well, cheers to the to you ladies for coming on the show. Thank cheers you. you. Enjoy cheers. your on. All right. So, Agnes, we actually had you on the show back in – do you remember when that was? I do not. I, I said uh, maybe – I do not. Maybe three or four years ago? Take a guess at what year it was. Uh, t- uh, 2017. 2017 is correct. We've got a live shot of you on this. There's me gesturing Sorry. wildly yes, for some you're, reason. You're pointing at uh, Eric Lamberg, Dr. Eric Lamberg. Uh, Dr. Sue Ancisto, myself making somewhat of a goofy face there, uh, yeah. and Susan Miali in her her typical posture of having a great laugh. That's what that is—a yeah. dynamic, spectacular group of individuals. It was yeah. uh, it was not difficult to get her to loosen up. I think that was she was, she was very lucky. Want to say hi to David Bailiff, who's watching hashtag live. If you're watching a live stream on Twitter, on YouTube, on Facebook, you just you know, drop a uh, comment question. Uh, during the show. This is not one of those where we ask you to pipe down. Feel free to uh, to interact. So yeah, so this was 2017. I want to say thank you because you're you're a professor. This is Stony Brook University. I don't think I got to mention that, but you're a professor at Stony Brook University on Long Island. Back in 2017, I was kind of pitching the idea around like, hey, I got this podcast. Uh, and keep in mind, it was 2017. You kind of still had to explain to people what that podcast was. Uh, so And I was like, I want to do it live, Jimmy Fallon style at like schools. And what I did was I asked like 10 schools. No one said no, but no one said yes. Everybody said maybe. And then one, then two schools let me do it, Stony Brook and Marymount University. But they kind of had to because I paid them a lot of money and went to PT school there. Um, and then next thing you know, after we aired the Stony Brook episode, man, the other eight schools were like, absolutely, that sounded great. So thank you for taking a, uh, taking a leap of faith there. And let us do because now, well, after that, we did that about 25 to 30 more times across the country. It was pretty fun. I think there was a student, too. I'm trying to remember her name. I can picture her face so clearly. I'm so sorry if she's listening, but she met you at CSM, right? There she is. There she is. is. Oh, there she is. I met her. And I mean, if we're going to, we're going to, I mean, I always tell people, like, hey, if you're doing a podcast, don't tell inside jokes or inside stories, but I'm going to tell one anyway. I got a bunch of pint glasses shipped to CSM in Boston and didn't know it, you always get ruined by what you don't know. When you ship something to a hotel, they pay, they make you pay for a receiving fee. Well, I shipped like $500 worth of pint glasses and they were going to charge me like $700 to receive them. I was like, dude, at this point you can keep them because that's more than they're worth. And the guy literally looked at me and he's like, listen, man, I'm going on break in 15 minutes. If these glasses are gone, when I come back, I, uh, what am I going to do? I literally walked outside. Well, I put a hundred bucks on the counter. I was just like, there, there it is under your mouse pad. Walked outside and I was like, who wants to make 20 bucks? <laughs> and of course, I mean, if you look, I mean, and Carolo Bianco, 108 pounds soaking wet is like, I will make, I'll make $20. And she and I hefted <laughs> those things back and forth. And then I bought her lunch in it. And that started the conversation, which led me to doing the show at Stony Brook, which was kind yeah. of a, a good experience. Right. All right. So Agnes, you're, you're a professor at Stony Brook University in the, uh, the PT department. What do, what do you get to teach there? 
I get to teach the pediatric curriculum. So I am uh, the instructor for pediatric physical therapy and uh, I've been doing it for a while. I stand on shoulders, don't we all? But I stand on the great shoulders. Really, it's a fabulous faculty. I could not be happier. Um, but I stand on the shoulders of Dr. Janice Marie Sniffen, who started uh, the curriculum, and we just kind of keep going from there. But really fortunate to be part of, of such a great school. It's awesome. Sorry, I'm just adjusting my computer here. Apologies. That's why we like live radio. All right, Kay, what's, what is your backstory? We'll get into the uh, the NDI and the Dream uh, uh, initiative, but what, what do you do outside of that? Well, I am the Associate Artistic Director of National Dance Institute, and we are not-for-profit. We work in partnership with the public school system in New York City is kind of our primary area, um, and bringing dance to children who might not otherwise have the chance to participate in the arts. Um, and it's part of the school day because our founder, Jacques D'Amboise, really believed, and I absolutely also believe that the arts are essential to every child's education. Um, so that's, I teach in the schools here in New York, and I also run programs in Shanghai, China, and Beirut, Lebanon, leading teacher training and help, helping people understand, you know, teaching artists and educators all over the place, understand the NDI method, which is tools for how to bring quality arts to children and, wow. and make it accessible and, and translate it to different cultures, to different abilities, to different personalities, and always in a way that hopefully is authentic and, and really delivers the profundity of the arts to children, because it, the arts can be transformative. And okay. And have I, so I love all that. I, I think, Agnes, I think the same thought came to my mind when you first started talking about this in 2017 on the show was a quote by Cole Galloway, which is like, mobility is a basic human right. And it's like, I, I just felt like those two, you know, at National Dance Institute and that quote were just kind of like directly in line with each other. All right. So let's you, you kind of gave us a little bit of an allusion to um, like what it does, but how, how, let's go even more macro. Like, what is it? How is it structured? I gave a, you know, a very uh, broad definition of, of what it is saying the dream project, really an inclusive dance program for children with and without disabilities. Um, but what do you get to do? Let's talk about the fun stuff. Like, what is it? It, it, it is, it's a gift is what it is. It is an absolute gift. Kay and I feel very strongly about this along with the other. National Dance Institute is, is a fabulous institution. There is none like it. Uh, Jacques D'Amboise, who was a New York City ballet dancer, uh, just very recently passed away. And it's, it's somewhat heartbreaking on many different levels. He was uh, just, just a life force, larger than life. But I don't think that people make the connection to what he did for the field of physical therapy. And I feel I'm almost, uh, it's going to be my passion for the rest of my life to, to really express that. That the ability to collaborate with someone in the arts, someone in the community, who does not have a health-related professions background, and to have that person change your life and how you view the children who are standing, sitting, or reclining in front of you, I, I will spend the rest of my life singing his praises. So he started National Dance Institute, 19K, help help your pal out, 1976. 76. Yeah. And um, he came actually to a school that I was working at. I was working at PS199 on the west side, upper west side of Manhattan. Fantastic school. I love it so much. Uh, and started a program there. So it was his first day was my first day. Wow. Not, not at the school, but sort of pushing in and being part of that. And figuring out, you know, with Kay, Kay worked there as well, just figuring out how do we do this? You know, how do we have children with a wide range of developmental disabilities? This is not diagnostic specific. This is not just a program for children with Down syndrome or just children uh, with ASD. Uh, this, is a, this is a program for, for all children. Regardless of, of level of physical ability, you know, how do we incorporate them? So he's he's really at the forefront of that. And Kay and I and Amy Marie Barry, who will never, <laughs> she will never be comfortable being on a podcast. She would be, uh, you know, three houses away. Uh, but, you know, we sort of built this from the ground up. And, and, uh, and what it is, is age match peers. You know, I don't know what normal is anymore. I don't know what typical is anymore. You know, it's taking children with this wide range of developmental disabilities and partnering them up. Hey, tell them, tell, tell everybody what you call them. 
We call them original recipe and extra crispy. And there the original recipes are the children with disabilities and the extra crispies are the children without disabilities because it's a it's a non-hierarchical everybody has their preferences every it's a matter of taste but a not, not a matter of um you know Judgment. i don't know hierarchy or, or yeah a, a, a ranking ranking is the word i'm looking for so we call them you know we're looking anybody type into the chat if you have a a, a better less idiosyncratic name that, that i don't i don't think i've ever heard of a, of, a, of a better description i think that says it says it pretty well uh okay just for audio can you just turn the volume of your speaker down just a smidge just right, a little, sure. we'll a little bit through that that's yep. fine um i love that description i think that's absolutely absolutely fantastic can we throw up the uh the picture of uh the original recipe and extra uh crispy children on the on the screen so if you're watching a live stream there we go there's the national dance institute uh, right so so you guys get together and it's to, i mean the 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 show must go on i guess would probably be the best way and and it, it you beg borrow or steal uh you figure it out is uh is what you guys get to do in terms of you know making dance inclusive and saying whatever you come with whatever you come with is what you come with to, to dance. So tell me about like, tell me some stories of what uh, productions you guys have put on. So maybe some, uh, some hero stories about, you know, moments that really stuck with you with NDI. Well, I'll, I'll jump on that one, Kay, because that was the first NDI is a non, not for profit. And so they host a gala every year and that was our first. So that was the first time dream was part of that gala. And um, we had done uh, The Girl in the Middle is a phenomenal dancer. They all are. This whole entire group was just phenomenal. But I think if anybody who's looking at it, you would have a hard time picking out who is the, who is the original recipe and who's the, who's the extra crispy. You know, and that's, that's the beauty of this, is that everybody, whatever uh, can be highlighted, and that's really where the role of the physical therapist comes in, is is what, what can be highlighted, what can be augmented, what can be, where is the shining star that is absolutely within every single one of these children? Where is that, and how can we help? Um, I, I'll, I'll say that there was uh, one boy, you see him in the back, there's one boy lifting up another boy, yeah. uh, and he happens to have a diagnosis of Down syndrome, which we know is associated with hypotonia, that little boy held his knees up for like 10 minutes straight. Like it was just, this is not, you put it in context, you you sort of set the stage literally and figuratively, uh, and you just watch the, watch the magic happen, right? I and good. I would add just in terms of working with children with and without disabilities, um, everyone's unique abilities and unique ways of moving is actually a real opportunity for creativity and to um, just like sort of go wild with imagination. So like, you know, adding to that story, Greta or the, the, the child who's the, the wheelchair user um, has, first of all, is an incredibly sassy, lovely, sparkly human being. Um, and love to kick and make combinations, sort of complex combinations of how to kick. So, you know, using that as a springboard for how are we going to build this dance, we made a kick line as part of as part of that dance and the choreography. And it was to highlight that ability of hers, but it was always also to sort of um, uh, burst open people's ideas of what dance should look like, what dance is supposed to look like, and what dance can be. And to really we found the way we built that dance was to find ways for every child um, and every partnership. We really work a lot on partnerships. Um, each child with a each original recipe is partnered with an extra crispy or two, depending on sort of the personalities and, and abilities and needs uh, and, and what it takes to um, really create maximum participation for every child. And then we find ways for each partnership to be highlighted. So we really built the dance out of, um, you know, what's the moment for this partnership to, right. you know, so we had the lift to show off that child's, you know, core strength and um, his unique abilities. And, and so it's, what do I want to say? It is, it, it is a way of expanding artistic expression. And it's really, really exciting for me as a choreographer, not 
dumbing it down or like how do we make everybody included but like how do we like use that as a way to make whimsical imaginative pieces uh you know dances that um really burst open the form for all of us and for the audiences using what you got let's accentuate that right instead of trying to conform well we, we started the show off by saying um really inclusive dance program for original recipe and extra crispy I, I wish i had that phrase when we started but so what is how do you define inclusion i mean if your program is really based on inclusion how, what, what what's your working definition of i would say and then i'll toss it to agnes but i would say maximum participation for every child you know, we're also performance oriented. So everything we do, even if, you know, every workshop that we do, the remote classes that we've been leading over the last year during COVID ends in a performance. And that is the goal of every moment of every class or every moment of every time that we're in the room, whether it's virtual or literal with the children is to maximize participation. Um, and yeah, Agnes, you were going to say. Something. I love the fact that now, you're, Agnes, you're going to give a definition. It's going to be similar, but not the same. I, I just, I mean, I think that's you know part of it. So what, what, when, when asked that, since inclusion is such a big part, how do you answer? Well, I, I, I was uh, thinking about this, and this morning I was watching CBS uh, News this morning, and Ibram X. Kendi was on, and he was talking about having a conversation with somebody who was a disability rights activist. And he asked about the terminology, which can be sort of, you know, how do you navigate? How do you, I mean, we chose original recipe and extra crispy, but how do you navigate around that? It doesn't always feel right to say this disabled dancer or this individual with a disability. But I love his response. And his response was, I humbly ask. And that's inclusion to me. I humbly ask whoever is in front of me, how do you want to participate? How do you want to be included in this? I'm not the expert. I wouldn't, I would never, I don't identify as someone with a disability. I don't have children who identify as having a disability, but I need you as the stakeholder, you as the parent, you as the caregiver, you as the child to say, I want to. And then as the physical therapist, as the amazing creative dance teaching artist, how can we sort of bridge that and hope to make that happen? And it may not look exactly as whatever society might think but it looks the way that that child wants to the best of our ability and that's the idea you they, they want, i mean dance is expression right i mean you know that's what they they use i avoid that type of expression at all costs uh really for the safety of others and those around me um but i love those definitions uh of of uh inclusion a question from the audience coming in we'll go throw it on the screen um uh question is uh curious about how studios all across the country can integrate the mission of national dance institute into their offerings uh her daughter had danced for a couple of studios and she didn't believe they ever seen this level of inclusion i mean that's got to be um at you know first um a great compliment like level of inclusion but also man hey let's let's see if we can increase that so how would you how would you uh answer that i i have to say this is such a beautiful uh a question and kay and i appreciate it so much because it is our it is our our mission and our vision that it should not where we're based is in harlem new york city um but national dance institute has associate national dance institute programs throughout the country as kay said she is in shanghai she is in lebanon you know it shouldn't be that it's just in one place. As a profession, I don't want to say it, Jimmy. I don't, don't make me say it, Jimmy. You're going to make me say it. I'm going to say the ICF. I said it. There you go. I said it. But on the ICF, we know that participation is our end goal. We know that. But how many PTs are doing that? You know, and it's not an easy thing to do. So, so this question is so spectacular because it's saying exactly what we know. We need to expand this. We need to train others. You know, we're hopeful in that our vision for the future is to do a collaborative training. We have done two so far uh, with Stony Brook PT students and with dance teaching artists from across the country, uh, but that it should be that collaboration. It shouldn't be, I'm going to a conference just for PT and I'm going to a conference just, it has to be that bridge. It has to be a collaborative effort. Uh, and then really sort of brainstorming together so it can be done right. That, that's the goal. Yeah. I mean, we say we want to transform society, right? That's the mission of, the, of, our, of our governing body, the APTA. So how can you transform it unless you're, unless you're in it? So how, how would you suggest 
that community-based inclusion be done right? Like, how does someone, let, let's say this, this person who just asked that question, wanted to bring something like this to her daughter's dance studio, or they were just inspired, like, hey, I, you know, I'm somewhere else and I would like this to be done. Um, what's, the, what's the best first step, first couple steps? So I'm going to jump on this, but then I'm going to let Kay take it. And that is to say that uh, Kay and myself, Aileen and uh, Lori Quinn, uh, Dr. Lori Quinn out of Teachers College up at Columbia, who has helped with research regarding DREAM because she came to observe where, where friends and colleagues, she came to observe and it was just, we have to, we have to study this. We have to do research and get perspectives from children and their families. So we're just finishing up, um, you know, the write up for that. Um, but I say this because when we were doing that presentation at the Kennedy Center, uh, I was doing a presentation on some of the preliminary findings. And I said to the group of, you know, dance teaching artists, whoever was there, how many of you believe in inclusive participation? Every hand went up. Everybody agreed with it. I asked the same question at APTAC two years ago or a year and a half ago. Same thing. Every hand went up. But at the Kennedy Center, there was one gentleman in the front who went like this. Really? And yeah, he just sort of was like men's and men's. And I, I kept talking and then I had to stop myself. And I said, wait, why? And he explained, he was a person who was deaf. He had an interpreter that was there. And he said that he had been part of inclusive programming, but that it had to be done right. And I would love to go back, Kay and I have both looked him up because I would love to go back and say to him, you changed my life. Because it, it is not just a matter of I want to take my daughter to a studio where there's an inclusive programming or that they purport to have an inclusive programming. It has to be something where if she's taking her daughter and her daughter identifies as having a disability, can you incorporate the OT, the PT, the speech? Can you incorporate somebody that would help with communication and with movement, really kind of help bridge that gap? Okay, I'm tossing it to you. What was the what question was again? <laughs> I love that. How do you um, do it right? Well, yeah, like what are what are the steps, right? So like if everybody's nodding along, we've been we've been we've been talking about this for 20 minutes and some people were sold from minute one and some people are like warming up and they're going, okay. And then Agnes just said, listen, it, it's gotta be done right. Um, if someone wanted to do this, if a physical therapist, which we know we know is our audience, if they're saying, Yeah, all right, I'll go to your website. What are the first steps? How do they begin? Because wanting to do it and being able to do it in real life, right? Time, effort, money, billing, I don't, all those things, that, all the reasons. Like I like, to, I like to eliminate those reasons. Well, I'm going to throw you three reasons I'm not going to do this. It's too hard. Right. No one's wanted. But yeah. if, maybe if we give them a couple steps, things to do, um, maybe the, you know, the goal would be in, in a couple of years we come back on and you got another person sitting next to you because that person went and did it. I love that. And that is the goal of everything. So I would say the first thing to do is, is reach out to artists within the community. Do you know, if you are a PT, find your Aggie. We always say, I mean, for the artist, find your Aggie or find your K and, and a musician. And just like ask, start asking questions, start going to dance schools or go to a performance that's for, by a local company that you like and, and not, you know, stand at the stage door afterwards and, and express the, you know, or go to um, educational outreach projects that are with theater companies and start the conversation and then connect with children who have disabilities in the community. I mean, if you're a PT specialist, I assume there's some access there, but, um, and then start the conversation and, and start to collaborate and ask questions and do it. Yeah. That's the main thing I would say is go do it and stay vulnerable and admit mistakes when we're, we're, we're going to make mistakes, but that doesn't mean that the effort and the process isn't of value and that the mistake making is, is part of the growth. Um, be curious, ask the children, talk to the children about what their preferences are and what their ability to engage them in the process of how to maximize participation and create movement that they love. Um, learn them, we say that, and, and in the process of learning them, first and foremost, talk to them and talk to their caregivers, talk to anybody who works with them, their classroom teachers, their dance teachers, or whatever environment they are, you know, use 
them and collaborate with them as resources that can help you learn that child so that you can get creative and, and bring them in. Um, you know, cultivate a growth mindset. That's such a buzzword right now. But I really do think understanding and realizing that none of us is a fixed, finished person or product. So that means, I think, for the children, believing in them and understanding that it may be a trajectory of five years. But if you invest and believe and keep um, understanding and pushing and, and finding ways to increase participation and develop their skills and also embrace them exactly as they are right now. Not trying to make them be some other idea, but also to really celebrate exactly what they can do at this moment. You know, really keeping the focus on what they can do. Um, those are, you know. And, and also, Ron, too, because I think that one of the things that's interesting is here we have a physical therapist and we have an, an, an beyond gifted artistic dance instructor beyond. I mean, it, you know, I could go on and on. We have presented at both, right? We have presented at both. And at each one, at APTAC and at Kennedy Center, face-to-face -face for the arts, right? Like, at both of those, people are coming up to us and saying, where do I find my K? Where do I find my Aggie? So so the needs are, are there. They're there. It's just a matter of connecting through whomever you are with, be it your own child, be it somebody that you're working with. We had a child who was coming three hours one way, three wow. hours one way, uh, very physically limited, uh, but could use her eyebrows. I'm using mine right now. Uh, and that became the dance. And she she never missed one of our camps. And her, her it wasn't just her. It was the sacrifice of her parent. It was the sacrifice of her siblings. It was everybody coming. And the reason that she wanted to do this was because her sister was in dancing school. So Kay and I are like, this is that's the end result. It isn't necessarily coming into Harlem if you live three hours away. It is bringing it back to your community dance school. It is that that will be the holy grail for us. And that's what she did. That particular child, after doing you know, a lot of dream workshops with us and per getting performance experience in her wheelhouse, went back to that dance school and said, yes, you can teach me. And that's a, a piece of it too, is, is raising children who can be advocates for themselves. And they themselves can teach PT specialists and dance teachers all over the country, how to include them. Yeah. Um, that's the other piece of it that I think we haven't talked about is one of the, when we focus on partnerships, as we're creating choreography, we give each partnership skills and tools for how to translate a step. So we might start with a step and then we might demonstrate for them, okay, here's a, here's a version. If you're a manual wheelchair user that incorporates your whole team, uh, here's a version, you know, if, if you have trouble getting up and down, we, you know, we can, here's an adaptation or here's some accommodations that we can make where you're still participating fully. But then we transfer those skills so that within a day or two, they start to um, learn how to make their own translations. And by day three or four of the workshop, we don't even have to stop and give five different translations. We, we say like, okay, take 90 seconds right now and come up with your own and we'll take a look at them. And so it's also empowering them to understand how to participate in the creative process. So it's, it's co-choreography. It's kind of like if, if, if you can teach adults to dance who've never danced before, and I've taught adults to swim who never swam before, and that was really hard compared to a kid who didn't know how to swim, because most kids will just jump in the deep end of the pool and be like, I don't know, I'm just going to yeah. figure it out. Where most adults, so I feel like you're working with a group of kids who are like, I don't know, I don't know what this is supposed to look like, but you know, I just, I like the loud music and being on a stage is fun and look at all those costumes. So it's almost like you're working with really malleable clay. Yeah, I, I, I think, too, one of the things to highlight is that I don't know what anybody is envisioning, but when we're saying there is a wide range of abilities, you're talking about children who might be diagnosed within the autistic spectrum, ambulatory, you know, maybe verbal, maybe not, um, might have issues with, you know, eye contact, all of those sort of stereotypical things that you might picture, to somebody who has CP and is GMF CS level five. 
So then you say to yourself, okay, well, how are they dancing? And it's not a question of how do you envision them dancing, right. but how can you help them to express whatever it is that they're able to move? And and we we have one girl who I don't maybe she missed one because it was like a, a very unfortunately like a, a family situation or something, but her face lights up. Her mother says that when she puts her on the bus to bring her there, it's not the same bus that they always take, and she is shrieking. No laughter because she knows where she's going and the entire time she is up she's engaged she's participating that i don't care where whoever is listening i don't even care where where you are it isn't a matter of new york city it is a matter of as physical therapists as physical therapy students as ptas as whoever is listening how can i ingrain into the community more to make this more successful for whatever child is in my community that wants to participate in jujitsu art baseball, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. We have the skill set in order to help those children participate and be included. Jimmy. I think that you're highlighting what you're highlighting right now goes really well in opposition to uh, what a lot of people talk about in youth sports, which is like, you know, specialization at age, you know, nine. And what you're saying, I mean, I mean, like, and, and there was a great sign at the local Little League field here, which is like, this isn't the Yankees. Your kid's probably not going to get drafted. Like, the point really is that this is the thing. The point is doing the thing, right? Yeah. It's like, so the point is how many people can we get to do the thing, right? We'll figure out how the thing looks like, what it sounds like, how it feels, what it, you know, the point's doing the thing. Yeah. And we're really lucky because at National Dance Institute, we have people who are part of DREAM. I'll give a shout out. Elizabeth Selner, Michelle Phillips, Jerry Porman, who does the live music, Eva Danya, um, Kay will help me in a second, but but everybody, it's a team. It isn't just Kay and I standing there and saying, okay, well, let's just figure this out. And It is an entire team. I, I am so lucky that I'm at Stony Brook University. And when I offer it, I have never had a student not participate. You know, they're eager to participate because it's it's obviously any student who's listening, it's hands-on experience. It's the opportunity to have, you know, hands-on experience to see it in action. To a person, I continue to hear from these students and whether or not they went into pediatrics with how this has changed, how they approach wow. what they do. So yeah. count me in, right? Like count me in nationaldance.org for the website. We'll also throw the show notes uh, of this episode as well for more information. So the last question I want to ask, well, one of the last questions I want to ask is, uh, you said you wanted to make sure it was done right, right? One guy was like, ah, menza, menza. And it changed. You said, okay, not just done, but done right. So for each of you, how do you know if it's done right? Because there's probably no checklist, right? It's going to be done right is, is, is more of, a, a, of not a specific answer. So how would you each say, someone would be able to say, okay, this is done right. Are you going or I, Up to you, Ag. Go ahead, you go first. first. Yeah, Me go first. Yeah. Um, it's a great question. Um, I think if the children are responding fully, I mean, I think if you're really paying attention and really in the moment and not coming in with a preconceived idea of what you think is going to happen and you're ready to throw the whole plan out the window because of what's actually happening in the room, that's one signifier, I would say. I, I would say if the children are really connecting with each other, that's one of the things that we find is that they, you know, they really become friends and connect through the process of participating in the arts, but also that translates beyond the room. And if you see that happening and the children are really fully engaged. Um, and then the third thing I would say is art. If it's, you know, there is a rigor and a discipline to creating something that's a public performance that's going to be of high artistic quality. Because really where we're headed is that audience feedback loop. So yes, we're trying to change the audience's understanding of what dance can look like, but we're also creating something that is genuinely entertaining and engaging for an audience. Because when that happens, the, the sound of the applause, the feeling in the room is different. Yeah. And that creates the feedback loop that is a huge piece of the reward of all of that hard work. So we're aiming toward a goal and there's a finish line and there's a certain amount of I don't know, rigor. I, I, 
don't like that word as much anymore lately, but there is a, there's a, there's a standard of, of art. It's not, um, I don't know. It's, it, it's not talking down to the children. It is really pushing them and pushing all of ourselves to really elevate and find out what's possible. Okay. All right, Agnes. Good luck following that one. I know. Why did I let you go first? Uh, I would say this. This is an expression I've come up with since I've been at Dream, right? And it, it really comes down to expect, don't accept. So in other words, um, if, if I know the diagnosis, I'm a PT, I'm a PTA, I know the diagnosis, I know that they are quote unquote not supposed to hold their legs up you know, and do an abdominal crunch for 10 minutes because they have Down syndrome, expect that they will. Expect, expect, expect. Just keep raising the bar. Um, done right is, is allowing that child to feel empowered, watching those light bulbs go on, watching the, hey, I can do that. I can be part of this. I am not othered. Uh, it's really reading the child. It's really knowing what your role is. It's, it's knowing that you're there to support and, and to keep, keep I, I say it all the time, but keep upping the ante. Don't, don't let it stay here because every time you raise it up, they follow. And by they, I include the age match peers. I include those children that are, you know, sort of quote unquote, typically developing or neurotypical, whatever that is these days. This might be the only place in their life where that where they're where they're pushed and expected to outperform what they did a week before. A hundred percent. And you know, we this is this is my this is where I am doing all of my research at the moment, and that is what comes through. A, there aren't many programs for children with disabilities, and as the children get older, and as those complexities increase or are more prominent, especially physical, social, emotional, behavioral. They're almost non-existent. And uh, the second part is to have the inclusive aspect. You know, Kay and I have had the privilege of working with siblings. And when parents are telling you there is nothing that they can do together, but they can do this together, you know, wow. and how much, how much that means. Uh, I think, it's, I think it's, it's up to us. I really do think here we are at 100 years. Where are we going next? Let's go to mm. participation, y'all. Yeah, I like that. Ringing in the centennial year of the APTA and putting out a, a, a good point. Uh, we uh, we do something called uh, three questions on the show. You ready? Three questions. Hey, we're ready. It Three questions brought to you by our friends from Fusion Medical Staffing. Find them online at fusionmedstaff.com. Leaders in hashtag travel physical therapy. Want to take that PT or PTA license? Go about the country? You can do that as a travel physical therapist. I say it's like taking an area of the country for a test drive before you go and move there, right? I'm probably going to like this place. Probably. It's a way to do it and get paid. So uh, find out what positions are available now. They also have job transparency. Right. You don't want to get so far down the line before you find out this one thing about this position is not what you need or want. Uh, so they're just like, listen, we're just going to be transparent. Here it is. Is this a good fit or not? Because their goal is to get good fits for the clinics that need great therapists and great therapists to go fill them. So find out online what is available for you at FusionMedStaff.com. Uh, we'll go Agnes and Kay. That's our batting order. First question for both of you. Agnes, we'll go with you. Uh, is a where question. You're on Long Island, but. Where's somewhere you can't wait to go? And, you know, we've been kind of like, you know, hold up for about a year. Where's somewhere you can't wait to get to? Peoria. Peoria, Illinois. Not not the answer I was expecting, but no. is there any reason? No. no, I don't know what it is, but since I'm a little girl, I just love the word Peoria. Oh, okay. And maybe there's a family reason, but it's on my bucket list. There you go. Oh. For that reason, I want to go to Saskatchewan, just because I feel like it's a fantastic name. Okay, yeah. where, where, where's your where? Where can't you wait to go? I can't wait to get my body into the ocean yeah. body surfing. I don't body care surfing. where on the planet it is, but uh, yeah, to get back into the ocean. That right. is in Peoria, Kay. I don't yeah. think Peoria is your place. You guys are not doing that at the same time. Second question yeah. is a what question. What is something that you've watched or read or listened to, a book, a movie, podcast, something that you think the audience would give value from? Uh, I haven't seen it yet, but I can't wait to see it. Does that count? Absolutely. In the Heights. In the Heights? I don't know. 
Oh, it was a great Broadway show, Lynn Manuel Miranda. Whoa, okay. When he was like 19. Um, but I keep seeing these clips and I just can't wait to go see it in the theater. I'm going to go, nice. in the but it's a full blown musical celebrating Washington Heights in beautiful Manhattan, New York. Let's do it. What's your, uh, what's your, what something book, movie, podcast, something. Uh, I'm going to uh, crib camp. I Crip think camp, it's an great. amazing, yeah. amazing film. And I would also say there's a new movie that was made out of the reason I jump about that was written by a child with autism. Um, who's not verbal and and uh, it's beautiful. Perfect. All right. So that's two out of three questions. Third question is a who question. Who is someone the audience should know more about? Um, that's such a great one. Who should they know more about? Okay, forgive me for this. There's a little bit of a personal connection. I, I would automatically say Kay Gaynor, uh, who's right here. Uh, but I'm also going to throw out, and I do think that everybody should know more about Jacques Dombrowski. I just, I think such a game changer and life changer and impact on PT. But the person I'm going to go with is actually Dr. Lori Quinn. I, I think people don't realize, and maybe they will start uh, to realize what an incredible, incredible uh, gift to the physical therapy profession she is. Love that. All right, Kay. Who is on the audience you know more about? Jerron Herman. Okay. Um, he's, a, he's, a, he's a disabled dancer who can, and, and writer and actor who continues to, um, you know, sort of push himself to explore what uh how how to expand the boundaries of art and he's he's in a company with alice shepherd who is another person i would say who um it's a company of disabled dancers and every designer every artist involved in the company is somebody with a disability and they're really creating cool interesting provocative conversations around disability and art so i think that's those are good I love that. Some great answers right there. All right, last thing we do on the show is called the parting shot. Let's do the parting shot. Parting shot brought to you by our friends from the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy, the uh, largest component of the APTA. You want to level up your orthopedic game? Who better to do it with than the uh, networking connections, your colleagues in the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy, uh, responsible for producing some of the best orthopedic research, their CPGs, also their independent study courses, right? Like uh, current concepts of orthopedic physical therapy. If you're thinking about uh, maybe getting that OCS, it is a perfect roadmap to go from where you are to mastery of the uh, current state of orthopedic PT. So find them online at orthopt.org. All right, so parting shot, really your last chance for a mic drop moment, your soapbox moment, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Agnes, we'll have you go first for your parting shot. What do you got? What's, what, is, what is my parting shot? What does that mean? So it's kind of like whatever you want to leave the audience with, like the, the last that like your mic drop moment, the thing you want to either emphasize and say again, like, you know, the thing you'd put on a on a beer koozie as your quote something. OK, so this is what I would like to say. And that is, uh, I think, especially because we're talking to many students, I think is, is what you had said. And I think, Jimmy, uh, you and I were joking about it. So often faculty say it depends. And I have come very recently to the conclusion that I love, I believe that as a profession, we must live in the it depends because it depends on the individual that is sitting, standing, rolling, walking, reclining in front of you. So I would so love uh, for the students to realize it depends is a gift and it is not something to fear. It is something to work towards and work in and be a part of and never, ever, ever doubt that the most important thing, the most important part of your practice is really who the person is in front of you. Well said. What great parting shot. All right, Kay, your shot for the parting shot. Here we go. All right. My parting shot is um, one of our musicians, Lee Badania, who's an incredible musician, said to me once when I was feeling insecure and and afraid of some next moment. You do you. Um, and it goes all the way back to Shakespeare, to thine own self be true. But you do you, I think, is a, is a mantra and a gift to children, 
and uh, to all of us as practitioners and artists and human beings. So um, if we can empower people to just embrace diversity and believe that differences, um, we all benefit from celebrating differences and every single one of us become empowered to do you. Yeah. It'll be a better world. Yeah. yeah. Leave, it, leave it better than you found it. And what better way to uh, to make this part of society than put it on a literal stage and, and say this is this is what we are. So you do you. Uh, love it. Ladies, thanks so much for talking about it. For more information, uh, you can check out more about the uh, NDI Dream Project. The website is nationaldance.org and uh, also on the socials as well. Uh, thank you so much for the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Follow us online. Welcome to the internet, my friend. How can I help you? Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at PT Pinecast. All right, show today brought to you by the Brooks Institute of Higher Learning, an innovator in providing advanced post-professional education. Brooks IHL offering continuing education courses in numerous specialty areas, six PT residency programs, an OMPT fellowship, as well as challenging but rewarding internships. The IHL specializes in the translation of information from evidence to patient management. Learn what they can do for you to support your professional development at Brooks ihl.org our home on the internet ptpinecast.com created by build pt build pt provides marketing services specifically for private practice pts from website development and hosting providing content marketing solutions for pt clinics across the country see what build pt can do for you today at buildpt.com the PT Pinecast is a product of PT Pinecast LLC. It is hosted and produced by PT Pinecast CEO Jim McKay and CBO Sky Donovan from Marymount University. We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This has been another pour from the PT Pinecast. The PT Pinecast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. More on the show at ptpinecast.com.